0: And we're off Depends my audio, <laughs> <laughs> audio, my autobiography. <laughs>
1: yes. And we're back. That's pretty good. And we're back. And we're back. That's a new one. And we're back. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. Rant at Lords, Denver. Send us an email if you have some topics you'd like us to talk about. Uh, we're hoping that our podcast is a great resource for People exploring the Catholic faith, people who are already Catholic, understanding your faith in a healthy, dialogical way. Nice. You like that?
0: That was that was very nice.
1: Dialogical. That's is that a real word? I mean, dialogue's a word, but is dialogical a word?
0: Do you like combine dialogue and logical? Are we logical on this?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: And everyone has now stopped listening. Here we are
1: check out bishop baron <laughs>
0: there you go go <laughs> to us for a list of recommended actual podcast helpful Institute. resources that's yeah. right um, okay i have a shout out i, I thought of this in our um, previous episode that i should have said yes but i would like to give a shout out to judd robertson Judd this Robertson. Will be a test he this will be a test if he's listening or not um but he says he is and he is um I was actually, I told you this yesterday, but um, how much of them was my old boss in commercial oh, real I think estate? you need to tell me about this. And those. then um, he's really just kind of been a great friend and mentor and is a, a solid Christian man that um, he's doing some amazing things now. And he was telling me that he's been listening to the podcast and it just means so much. So shout out to Judd. Yeah, Judd, thanks for listening. Yeah. Appreciate it. He was impressed with um, my scripture knowledge. And my ability to quote things. And I'm I, impressed, too. I think he actually referenced Plato um, at one point of how my knowledge, um, which is literally not what he said. It was actually you. He, Are you sure thinking, it wasn't Socrates? If I don't know.
1: <laughs> or, <laughs> is Bill, or is Bill and Ted say Socrates?
0: Socrates and the knowledge, uh, no, he, but I actually appreciated it so much. That's why I was so happy when we went, you know, our producer, Ryan started to incorporate video because of your knowledge and how you will often cite things with no, we have no notes. This is blank. You have the Bible in front of you, but most of the time you're quoting literally word for word. And it's so fascinating to me. And he noticed it in the podcast. So. Shout out Judd and
1: well, thank you. Don't yeah, be too impressed. Giving I, him
0: compliments. I've
1: got plenty of shortcomings and sins, and,
0: and that's our podcast today. Let's today, talk about those. Today's you said my you confession, didn't have enough
1: therapy. <laughs> right? Today's my confession, uh, for the last you know day or so. That's right, because I've got a lot to confess. Yeah, no, today, uh, we're grateful to be back with you. And some of the, the big things happening if you're not in Denver, so our parish here, Our Lady of Lords, which we just a great place. And I think Patrick and I both feel very attached to it, but our lady of Lords, God's done some great things. And we have gotten word what a month ago that I starting in July 1st will be the pastor of two parishes. So I'm staying yep. here at our lady of Lords, but I'm also going to become the pastor of a parish one mile away, St. Louis, we're excited about that. I'm excited to get to know the folks at St. Louis and to love on them and be a part of their mission and uh, see the two parishes really work together uh, for the greater glory of God's kingdom. So, But along with that, I, I talk too much. No,
0: I, yeah, there's, there's a lot to be said in that. I think it's Lords has been a, a huge success story here in Denver and our school has just, our principal and father, Brian shout out Rosemary. You guys have done a phenomenal job. And not only, I think it's, it's interesting. I,
1: our development director is okay.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's, he's about already, saving grace yeah. around here. Um,
1: <laughs> no one knows what they're doing.
0: I bought, I bought a, uh, a book the other day on the stats, um, 2020, but also just kind of focuses on the last like 10, 15 years of Catholic mm-hmm. education. And it's, it's really a fascinating topic for me because again, I went to all public schools growing up. My high school had three to 4,000 kids. And I, you know, now I'm starting to look at the concept of paying for education pre-college, like never crossed my mind. Yeah, me too. And now the more I learn, it's like, how could you not um, just kind of where society's at today? But then you look at the stats of Catholic schools mm-hmm. and overwhelmingly, The story is, well, that one's shutting down. This one's, you know, combining with another one. It's never a great story. And what you and Rosemary have built here, not only is this campus flourishing, but we've now, you guys have opened a second campus and it is growing beyond belief. There's a wait list for preschool. It's, it's truly fascinating.
1: Well, we've got a great team and you've been a huge part of that and watching you've helped us go to the next level on this kind of thing, Please but I do. Yeah, no. <laughs> and you've got really great wind hair. That's right. Yeah. No, uh, but we do, I do want to say we have great families. I think a big right. part of the success of Lords is it families want a really strong family environment and the kind of families that we want to work with. They want a very strong Catholic environment Yeah, where people love the faith. And so I think Rosemary predominantly has done a great job of making a school where, Hey, if you don't want the Catholic faith, there's no judgment, but that's, this probably isn't the place for you. That's right. And we're open to people who aren't there yet maybe, but they are going to know upfront that we are unapologetically Catholic. We love our faith. We love Jesus. We love our church. And we're going to live that in a, in a very robust sort of way it's a word I don't use too often robust
0: yeah no I think she does you know a phenomenal job of that just laying the cards out there and it is it's a often time if it's it's more of a mutual okay it's not going to work for either of us let's not try to make this work and the families here like I mean you see it the community it's just it's absolutely amazing so long long long-winded way of saying you becoming the pastor of both that's where the other Location is going to be where our school, yes. the second school, is at.
1: Second campus, second school. Yeah, but St. Louis Parish, we're excited for to work there. But the Archbishop uh, announced two weeks ago. When this comes out, it'll be more than that. But yeah, uh, that along with that, this is a big mission. I'm a little nervous. There's, I'm excited. God, I think has given us a tremendous mission in front of us. But he's giving us, along with myself, there'll be two other new priests. Helping me out here in Denver. And I've never been a pastor over to other priests before. This will be a new experience for me. So we'll have three priests covering two parishes. One of them has been named Father Vtold. Hopefully, yep. I'm saying that correct. Hashtag Vtold.
0: That's
1: right. I don't know if that's a real Can you do now that? it is. I don't know how he'll feel about that one. Yeah. And the other one, I have a guess at who it is, but we're not going to announce that yet because I don't know 100%. Yep. And by the time this comes out, I think it will be public. So you already know if you're listening,
0: the, we got to get the calendar out to figure out that thing, but yeah, keep going.
1: So we wanted to talk a bit, having new priests, that's such a big thing for a community. Ryan, our producer, I like calling him that.
0: I know it's kind, it's kind of, of has nice. a nice
1: ring to it. It does. Yeah. Ryan was saying that he had different priests. And it was just a different experience. Yeah. And you know, there, there's a both and there, of course, every mass is the same in the world and all the right caveats. We all go to mass for the Eucharist. Hopefully, but, you know, priests bring, for good or for ill, they bring themselves to their ministry. They bring their human pieces. So we wanted to talk a little bit today about what do you look for in a priest?
0: What is the expectation? Yeah. It's, it's nerve-wracking, for sure. And I think not only that, like, for the newly ordained priests, but also if, like, there was recently, it came out, the new assignments. And yes, if all of a sudden you're at a parish and, you know, like, in Denver, and maybe you could kind of, for the audience, understand what Denver, and I think it's, it's I know it's different based on each archdiocese.
1: Sure.
0: But yeah. here in Denver, it's a six-year term. You can go for another term, and very rarely will anything beyond that. But typically, Correct. it's probably on average, six to 12 years, you get a new priest.
1: Yep. And right? so there is one distinction there. So in the Catholic Church, when we say a pastor, that's so right. in the Protestant world, the pastor is just a minister, I think. And if I get this wrong, correct me. But in the Catholic world, when we say pastor, we mean the head priest at a church. The word pastor is a Latin word, and it just means shepherd.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, okay.
1: so that's, that's a Latin word for shepherd. So Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, my pastor nice. in Latin. But anyway, so in the Catholic church, we, we will say, we use just weird words. We need to move on sometimes in some of the words we use. But we have pastor, that makes enough sense. But then an assistant priest is called a parochial vicar. Yes. But let's just go with assistant priest, unless you want to know the, the etymology of what that where that comes from. So assistant priests, though, so they get three year assignments usually. So they're assigned for three years to a place, and then they can move on after that. And parochial vicars, assistant priests, their assignments aren't as set in stone as pastors are here in Denver. That's just the way our archdiocese works, and you're correct. It doesn't have to work that way. A different bishop in a different diocese could say, "I'd rather have my priest serve, you know, 15 years." Got and it. there's there's reasons for that that we don't have to go into, but so I'm a pastor, which means I'm the head priest at Lords. I'm also the only priest at Lords currently. <laughs> yeah. So it's not exactly. A, you know, people will say, "Father Brian, you're my favorite pastor at Lords. That's right. Which doesn't say much. Yep. So that's, that's kind of what, what, how that works. But it's a big, it is it's a big deal. And I think of some of the priest being moved in this round of assignments. Father Sam Moorhead, who has become a real friend and a priest I respect and admire greatly. He, he's getting moved to the cathedral. That's a big move. We wish him the best there. He'll do a great job. Yeah. The priest coming in, I think will be a great fit for all souls. So if you're a person you're at all souls, parish, Father Rick Nakfasil. I've known him a long time. He's, I think he's going to do a great job at that parish. I think he'll fit in well, but it's hard. Yeah. You know, Father Sam has been at All Souls for six years. And when your priest gets moved, hopefully you've grown to love him and he really loves you. And it's, it's not an easy thing. And, and so we wanted to dive in today to that question of what should it, what should the qualifications be? What are people looking for in a priest? What does the church want? Probably most importantly, what does God want in a priest? But what, what are these things we really want a priest to be in the year 2021?
0: That's right. It, <laughs> there's so much to unpack there. And it's been very interesting being in my position of really kind of seeing your day in and day out. Yeah. And now it's even like nerve wracking as a staff. You know, we have such a family. Knit thing here, and now you're going to introduce two new priests. Right? Uh, how does that all play out? Like what these? You know, you're kind of ruffling the feathers when that happens. You're just like not knowing what to expect. Yeah. Um,
1: you know, in the companions, we say when a <clears throat> if you have a household, if a couple of guys living together as priests, we we have a phrase where we say new new man in the house, new house. It's so a new man, new house. Totally. And so one, one new person changes everything. And I think that's going to be true for our staff. Too. No
0: question. You know, yeah, we're going, you know, now it's like, once it was announced, we're going to get some more help. You know, we're changing offices. We're trying to design this, writing a whole new campus. Like there's, there's a, I'm trying to get bathroom.
1: my act together. Yeah. A little better
0: hygiene. That's right. You're going to have to like <laughs> shared bathrooms and stuff. Share bathrooms,
1: like, floss a little bit more. That's right. You know, that'd yeah. be my, my dentist would love that. That <laughs> <laughs> He's a Catholic too. Yeah. Uh, so was
0: mine. Um, so what do you expect though? Like what should be, um, what should our hope be for someone that is newly ordained or, sure. you know, coming into the parish and you're basically, I'm going to shake his hand and that's going to be the first time I've met him.
1: So I think, so I, uh, to get the ball rolling, I think a great thing to start with would be to talk just a little bit around. What does it mean to be a, what is a priest? How does the new Testament understand this? How do you define a priest? And you could do that in different ways. Sometimes people define the priest as by his function, that a priest is the one who offers sacrifice. Okay. And that's, that's part of it, right? Part of it is that a priest and the letter to the Hebrews would talk about this quite a bit. So Hebrews has a lot to do with the priesthood of Jesus. Who is, of course, Jesus is the priest. The only reason anyone else can be a priest is if they have a share in his priesthood. Got it. He is the priest. So I think if Hebrews chapter four is going to talk a fair amount about this, but it's going to talk about how a priest offers sacrifice. And that's one way to define a priest. I think a better way is to talk about not what a priest does but who a priest is in his very being. That's, that's a deeper way to it. And the church likes to use that language of when you're ordained, the sacrament of ordination conforms you to Jesus Christ, the priest. And there, there's a certain conformity that happens with that. Wow. That that's really important. But I think the best way to just easily understand this, when I talk to people, the the easiest way I do this is one of the titles for the Pope is he is called the Pontifex Maximus. And that's not from Gladiator, right? It sounds, oh. That sounds like it is.
0: Is, is that Russell Crowe? Or yeah, Russell Crowe is, is getting yeah, a new
1: movie called Pontifex Maximus. Yeah. So Pontifex is a word for a priest in Latin and in ancient Rome. And it's a great uh, image, I think. So a Pontifex means a bridge builder. So the Pontifex Maximus is the, the the great or the greatest bridge builder, Whoa. and this is what it means. I think. I think this is a great way to start off. This is what I want from priests, and I, what I what I hope to be in my own life is that uh, a bridge builder. What it, what we mean by that is that the priest becomes a bridge, or at least builds a bridge between God and human beings. And so, a lot of times, I don't know. I'm sure you felt this way. I know I have felt this way in my life isn't as it feels like God is so far away. Yeah. You know, God's God's this transcendent, sinless, all powerful, all knowing being who dwells in unapproachable light. Yep. And I'm chump FBL. Who's trying to lose 10 pounds from his priestly bod. That's right. And right all my blotches and all my things. And what the priest is supposed to be is if a priest is united to God And he's also relatable. He's he's a normal human being. And Hebrews is much about this. And actually, I should pull that out in Hebrews chapter four here. But what happens then is if if people say, you know, I don't know that I I really understand God. And like, I don't, uh, it's Hebrews chapter five. How embarrassing. Um, But uh, what happens is, is they say, people might say, I don't really feel like I relate to God. He feels distant from me. But Father Brian's close to God. And I remember like Archbishop Chapu is this for me. Well, Archbishop Chapu, he's a man of God and he's close to God and he's a man of prayer. But I also relate to him. Like I get Archbishop Chapu or ABC, as we used to call him. I get ABC. and I have a friendship with him. And so in that way, he becomes this kind of bridge for me where I feel like I can know God.
0: What happens in the case? Like I was just thinking this. Um in that scenario of the ultimate bridge builder
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah i think we're fortunate here And i i hear it all the time actually I, one of my best friends says that uh he always says like dude it's i'm uh, i'm so happy to hear you. you have such a wonderful priest in denver where but where he's at in california it's like it's not like that like right. it's it's not that way right um and if that's the case you look at somebody like a how would you define the relationship and how does it differ for like someone that's like a christophonic who is an ultimate yep i think there's several he's ways He's great here. bridge Great bridge
1: yeah, right great and for bridge. someone
0: where you're like Don't get okay. too big ahead Chris Yeah i know right <laughs> <laughs> We have to bring him down a little bit but you have a guy like okay if you're if the scenario in northern california isn't great for you we'll hear listen to some of Chris's stuff Now he's not a pastor or a priest or any of sure. that kind of stuff uh, but he is a great bridge builder. And then the other layer to that would be what's the difference between, or I guess I know where I want to go with this, but I right. kind of a question for you is my pastor versus the pastor at Red Rocks, sure. right? That you can make that same argument of like, well, they're a bridge builder, bringing it closer to God. But the differences of a priest in the Catholic church, is it just a matter of the actual teachings?
1: So, yeah. Great question. So there's, so there's a couple of things here. So, um, so the first thing I would say, let's go back to Hebrews five. Um, so Hebrews five says for every, this is verse one, and actually yeah, I was right. It is in four as well. Uh, but in chapter five, verse one, it says for every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God. So hear that again. Every high priest chosen from among men uh, is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God. And here it uses that definition around, what do you do? And it says, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. So the priest offers sacrifices. Verse 3, or I'm sorry, verse 2, he can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness so he's relatable yep he's supposed to be relatable so but the difference so really quick with with pastors and protestants and it's going to go on to say this um verse 4 and here's what I would say with like a protestant pastor so verse 4 one does not take the honor upon himself but is called by god just as Aaron was so no one can appoint themselves a priest is and at least a high priest is what Hebrews chapter five is saying. Yeah. Now th- from a Catholic perspective on this, a Protestant would read this differently than we would. And what, what a Catholic perspective is, is just because you're close to God and in your prayer, you decide that you're supposed to be a pastor can't make you a priest. Got it. Because you can't, that's not how it works. The way that the Catholic church sees this is that priesthood was instituted by Jesus Christ. And it was, given to the apostles and it was an office originally as apostles and the bishops are the successors to the apostles. And that office is handed on. It's not that I go into my room one day and I decide God's called me to be a priest. So I get a graduate degree and now all of a sudden I go, I get hired somewhere and now I'm a pastor. Right. In the Catholic faith, we're like, no, 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 no. This is a spiritual authority and power that was given by God himself and it's handed on in a direct line. And that doesn't mean, you know, so like the, we've talked about this many times. Pastors in Protestant churches are like a Christophanic, who's not a priest in the same sense. And we'll get to that in a minute. They might be way better at what a priest should be than me. And i and very honestly, very frequently, they are better. But a priest, in order to really be a true priest... That's not just something like, I feel like God called me to this. Right. This is, this is a concrete authority and power that can only be handed on through the apostles and their successors who are the bishops. And the place you really see this without going too deep into it is in Acts of the Apostles chapter one. So in Luke's gospel, Luke wrote both the Gospel of Luke and Acts of the Apostles. And Luke chapter one parallels Acts chapter one. In Luke chapter one, there's a priest. Do you remember the priest is? No. Sorry, why do I do this? <laughs> I know. I'm such a jerk. And in Luke chapter one, there's Zechariah. Zechariah and Elizabeth, and they're from a priest, they're a priestly family. In fact, Elizabeth is from the high priest's family. Zechariah is not, but he's a priest. And Zechariah is chosen to go into the temple. And to offer sacrifice. Do you remember how he's chosen? Oh, um. Oh, well, go, but it's, uh,
0: I do, I do, I do, I do. Dang it. <laughs> the is it the sticks thing? that It's
1: really it's like that, yeah. What's the name of it? Yep.
0: Ah, oh, it's gonna drive me nuts. No, it's, go ahead.
1: So it's the casting of lots. That, dang it! <laughs> yes! <laughs> I love watching you get flustered. That's that's, good. good.
0: I actually knew that one though.
1: Oh man, that is the worst. But so in, in Acts chapter, or I'm sorry, in Luke chapter one, Zechariah is chosen by lot to enter the temple and offer sacrifice. Uh, And then when you go to Acts chapter one, what what Luke, remember Luke wrote both of those books there. In fact, he tells us that those are basically two halves of one book. Oh wow. And what Luke wants to show is that the story of Jesus uh, is, now taken on by the life of the church. So the church becomes the presence of Jesus in the world, which is very, uh, you can see this in places like Acts chapter nine, when St. Paul has his conversion, Uh, right? And he says to Saul at the time, his name is Saul with an S, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Right? Not my church. Why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are you, Lord, that I, um, whom I am persecuting? he says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And so the church takes on the identity of Christ in the world. What's so cool. And back to the, to reign this back to the question you asked is that in, so in Luke chapter one, Zechariah is chosen by lot to go into the temple to offer sacrifice. The first thing that happens in acts of the apostles um, after Jesus ascends is that they choose Matthias to be the successor of Judas. And you remember, and how do they choose Matthias? Lots. They cast lots. So in Acts chapter one, so uh, what happens is um, in verse 15, Peter stood up among the brethren and said, brethren, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas. So Judas, at this point has committed suicide. He's he's abandoned Christ. He's betrayed him and he's committed suicide. Jesus has ascended into heaven. Um, concerning Judas, who is a guide to those who arrested Jesus for, he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. And then you go down a little bit. I don't want to read this whole passage. Peter explains what happened to him and how Judas really got what was coming to him. Essentially. Uh, but he quotes Psalm 69. He says, let his habitation become desolate and let there be no one to live in it. And his office let another take. Wow. His office. Now, this is, and this is the key thing for Catholics. So the the Protestant kind of idea, they've, they've abandoned the idea of what we would call apostolic succession. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, the Holy Spirit puts something on your heart. You feel like God's calling you to do something, you just go do it. The Catholic idea is that that might be true to your life. Maybe, and God works through all of us as Christians, certainly. And there are the Christophanics, they're the Patrick DeVennis of the world, the Stephanie DeVennis. God's going to put something on your heart for sure. You are going to have a mission. But the priesthood is not just, it's something different. And as Hebrews 5 said that we talked about earlier, the Catholic vision here is that no one takes this office on himself. Is called by God. So, what the apostles do then is they cast lots. They put forward uh, uh, Bar- uh, Joseph called Barsabbas and Matthias, uh, and this is verse twenty-four. And they prayed and said, "Lord, you know the hearts of all men. Show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship." So, Protestants tend to think that the apostles—they were the twelve. That's it. That's only yep. one thing in history. That's not what the Bible teaches us. The early church elects someone to take the office of Judas. And this shows up, by the way, in like First and Second Timothy and Titus, when Paul instructs uh, new bishops to be ordained. But that's a whole nother topic. Um, to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And then verse 26, they cast lots for them. And the lot fell on Matthias. And he was enrolled with the 11 apostles. So Luke chapter one opens with a priest being chosen. Acts chapter one begins with a priest being chosen. And they're both chosen by lot. That is not a mistake. This is, this is the continuation of the priesthood into the new Testament, you know, into the apostolic times. Um,
0: Gosh, crazy.
1: So back to our topic though. So, um, so in the, so what we would say is that, um, so in Exodus 19, six, uh, what happens is there's this great line. It says uh, the Jews arrive at Mount Sinai and God's speaking to all the people. And in the old Testament, there's priesthood, but then there's the priestly nation. So there's, there's priests in Israel. There's the high priest. Yeah. There's the tri- priestly tribe of Levi. And in verse six, it says, God says, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And in first Peter two, Verse nine, we'll apply that to the church. So that's why, like we have, just like Israel, Israel had high priests and it had a priestly tribe of Levi. But then the whole nation of Israel was like a priestly nation that builds bridge, that builds a bridge to others. The same is true of the church. So in the church, there are bishops, there are priests, there are deacons, but the whole church is priestly. So a Christophanic or Curtis Martin or a Tim Gray, right? A Beth Shree, these people out there, again, the like Patrick Devaney, people from RCIA, they're called to be bridges as well. Right. Not in the same way that an ordained priest is. Okay. And I'll shut up now because I talked way too much.
0: When you're saying, when you're kind of describing the difference there, and one of them was the sacrifice. Yep. What, what is the example of that? And when you, when you say the sacrifice. Sure. What is that?
1: So the so in the in the Old Testament right there's sacrifices that only the priest can offer, right? And like if you want to read about those, open up to Leviticus chapter one. It's a great reading. It's actually a really important reading. <laughs> but Fulton Sheen has a great article on this, and this is Hebrews chapter nine. One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible is Hebrews nine eleven. But um, what happens is that the priestly people of Israel, they they go to the temple and they offer sacrifice. But there's a priest that they hand over their sacrifice to who officiates at the altar. And in the new Testament, the sacrifice, and this is Hebrews nine. So Hebrews nine 11 says, when Christ came as the high priest of the new and eternal covenant, he entered once and for all into the true holy place, which is where sacrifice is offered. Uh, and what, what the Hebrews means by the true holy place is not the temple on earth but the temple in heaven. So Christ went into the true holy place and it says, carry not the blood of goats or, or bulls, which is what you offer on the day of atonement Yom Kippur, but Christ enters heaven itself. And he doesn't carry a bull or a goat, but he carries his own blood. And so the, the new Testament sacrifice, and this is, I think it's to, what do we want from a priest? Jesus doesn't offer something other than himself. He offers himself. Yeah. And so, so me, like when I go to the, the, the same mass at the altar, it's the one sacrifice of Christ. It's him offering himself. And I get to be a part of that. But what's supposed to happen is that the, the sacrifice you and I have is, is ourselves. Right. My life is supposed to be drawn into that. And I think this, and to get a more, a little bit more practical with this when I look at a priest, what I want a number of things, but one of the things I want is I want a man who's going to sacrifice himself for the good of the church. Right.
0: How does that look?
1: I think it gets very practical. My, so my first year in priesthood, I remember we had a summer event at my first parish and it went late to the night it was like 11 o'clock and a bunch of the staff members were picking up chairs and tables and there's big, heavy wood tables, you know, and this is not a, really especially hard thing, but I just jumped in with them and we were picking up and one of the staff members looked at me and she said, Father Brian, you're the first priest at this church who has ever helped us clean up in an event like this. Yeah. Right. And like, that's a simple thing, but I think that's, 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 I can start, that's my first thing that I'm going to say. I want a priest who is not expecting people to serve him, but truly he doesn't have something that's beneath him. He's not like, I don't clean toilets. Somebody else does that. Yeah, you do. Right. You take the lowest place as a priest. You serve others. So that's my first thing. What do you, what do you want with our new parochial vicars, Or let's just say you're at a different church, take them off the hot plate here. What would you look for? What do you, you know, you, you meet a priest. Like, what do you hope that priest is going to be like?
0: Well, I think it's what you said earlier. And, and that, <clears throat> that kind of was my story when I was church hopping with Steph in the early stages of dating and I was going to Red Rocks and we were, you know, she was trying to take me to masses. I think, <sighs> I was, here we go. I'm about to compliment you on this. Um, <laughs> you were the first one that was personable. Stop. That was mm. quite frankly, you just walked in, you were young, you were energetic. The homily was good. I could sit down and actually talk to you. Yeah. And, and you know, you,
1: I was young. It's,
0: <laughs> it's it was only like two years ago. Um, but you, you know, I think it's common, most of the priests or pastors go out and shake hands pre-COVID after mass and and you do that. But it's just kind of a little, I don't know, I, no one was really clicking for me. Yeah. And so to be able to just sit down and literally, and I think you create that space, which is what I would hope for, primarily just because our staff, our family is so tight knit from the standpoint of like we come in and we're not. We're always respectful, like we respect each other, but at the same time, like we could sit down and say what's whatever's on our mind, yeah, and be totally open and honest and like say some random stuff. Um, that I think is very hard to find, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and if you don't have that, it instantly is just like, oh, okay, great, I'm just going to mass, yeah. And so how do you that it is a big separation between that bridge of the church and the pastor the you know, Maximus Aurelius um, trying to. You mean the pontifex Maximus? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was a gladiator reference.
1: Maximus (laughs) Aurelius. uh, (laughs) Or uh, Marcus, Marcus Aurelius, isn't it? Because Maximus is Russell Crowe and Marcus Aurelius is the emperor. That's right. uh,
0: Um, but no, but I, it's not so long. I, I mean, I would just say it's some. it's again, that's why I look at like the, uh, companions and anyone that's there is like, we're like, I could sit down with most of the guys and just have a drink or go on a bike ride or whatever. And it's oftentimes like I'm introducing some of my, I'm incorporating some of my like secular world friends yeah. and have to be like, Hey, this is my really good buddy, father, Brian. And yeah. they're like, wait, what? You yeah. know, like that's no, that's, what, that's what I'm looking for yeah. and hoping for.
1: Honestly, I think that's my biggest thing too. Yeah, is is just when you become a priest, and and lay people can help priests with this too. By the way, is sometimes priests feel the pressure, and I, not just sometimes. I think almost always priests have this pressure. We know we're sinners. At least I do. I'm like, man, I I oftentimes feel like at a lords, I'm I'm the worst Catholic in lords. <laughs> I am people are so good and they're so devout, but priests sometimes have this pressure on them of, they're so scared that they're going to scandalize someone. Totally. And that just, this is unhealthy. You're supposed to be bridge. You're supposed to be human. You're supposed to be relatable swear words. You know, I, I, I know we shouldn't cuss, f- but that's not what Christianity is about. Right. And, and I hate it when I go to a place and I know that the discussion, everyone stops talking about what they're talking about because I walked in. That's right. And I don't want to be, I want to be the guy that's, you know, if you're talking about something really inappropriate, okay, I'm not going to join that conversation, but if someone drops a swear word here and there, I'm not going to bat an eye. And I think that's healthy. I don't think that we're supposed to have this idea because what happens then is because if, if you live that way, then priests become completely unrelatable. Right. You become a museum piece. Yeah. You become, wow, I went and saw some Monet's at the different art museum. And yeah, they, they're beautiful. It has nothing to do with my life. That's right. Whatsoever. And I
0: think, would you start to create that atmosphere though, from a, like a, uh, you kind of see it like in the mental health space of like, we're finally starting to get some athletes to come out and talk about like some things or, you know, like and what's going on in their life normalize it. Yeah. And if you build that atmosphere of like, oh no, we don't, I don't ever think about anything bad or whatever it is, that are so yeah. natural. And the only time you hear about it is like this weird cryptic message from the altar during a homily. And you're kind of looking around like, am I the only person struggling with this? Yeah. You're like, wait, what? Yeah. And and you can't actually open up and have that dialogue. It, it I think it's very unhealthy for everybody involved. Yeah. And that's what I think you've done here is like, I can come to you. I could literally say whatever. Yeah. And, and you don't, you'll teach me and you'll guide me down it, but I don't ever feel like judged. Like, well, I know also it's kind of
1: fun is I, I think there's plenty of things together where you and I can talk about it together and I'll, I'll maybe struggle with the same thing. I mean, we'll talk yeah. about going to the gym and there's very attractive women. Yeah. And we, and it's great because I have a brother who I can go to the gym with and say, man, I, I got, I want to, I want to be a chase priest. That woman's really attractive and she's not wearing very many clothes. Yeah. And it's great to not just pretend that that. Oh, I'm, I'm so above that.
0: Think about the layers just in that example, the layers of how many times if if you and I go out nine times out of 10, people are going to be like, wait a second. First of all, Father Brian goes to the the gym.
1: Yeah. And let me tell you, people are looking at me. They're like, man, that guy, Oh, is that a priest? (laughs) Yeah.
0: I think mean, there's so many layers to it, though. That like one, he goes to a like a public setting, like oh my gosh, she just doesn't leave, you know, the church, right? And then two, you guys go together. Yeah. Wait, what?
1: I think people look at us and they're like, "Who's that ripped guy hanging out with the middle-aged kind of blubber?" I, I'm fast over the there. middle-aged
0: guy. Um, it is and then and then three, the the true brutal honesty behind. um you know we always talk about that but like it was i remember the first time we walked in the gym and i was like wait a second homegirl literally has like nothing on right this is for not even a priest for anybody you're like oh my gosh what is that yeah like time out like i would kill steph if she showed up to the gym like (laughs) that but to be able to have that common ground and literally just sit down and like it's kind of what you want in your small group or your Bible study or any of that kind of stuff to just say like, dude, this is real life. I am struggling with this Yep. and to be able to open up. And if you have the ability to do that with your priest, I think it brings, it builds that bridge greater than anything else that can actually happen. Well, and there's
1: been this in the history of the church and it probably depends on where people are at and <clears throat> what diocese you're in and what your home pastor is like, what priests you maybe know or don't know, but I, the pendulum kind of swings. Yeah. And so actually I think in, in the sixties and seventies, even into the nineties or beyond, a lot of priests they prided themselves on that, but they pushed it too far. Yeah. And so they so you'll meet priests who will say, Don't call me father. And there's something wrong there too. Because to be that bridge, you have to be relatable. And I think right, right now my concern with young priests is that they're so they don't want to be the, the liberal priests of the seventies and eighties, et cetera, yeah. who says, don't call me father, never wears this collar, which, you know, not the biggest deal on earth, but it does matter. But priests who never wore their collar, didn't know theology, didn't have prayer life. I, I know priests when I was a young priest who I would spend time with who never prayed. Yeah. And I was scandalized by that because I think, because the other side of the bridge is you have to know God. Right. You have to. And if you don't know God, what good are you? That's right. You're just, you might be a nice guy, but there's lots of nice guys out there that I can hang out with who probably are more fun than you are. What we look for in a priest is we want someone who knows God, who has a real prayer life, who has a real love for God and a real knowledge of God, but also isn't weird. Yeah. Father Glenn used to say that he, we, he would do conferences. This is the priest who is the, head of the seminary when I was studying for priesthood and a dear friend of mine who died of an aggressive brain cancer. But he used to give conferences and he would ask guys the same question. He would say, what do you think people want in priests? And all the guys would say, "Someone who's really prayerful and really holy and says really reverent mass. And someone who's really smart and can know scripture really well and theology. And he would always say, you know what I think people want? They want priests who aren't weird. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, that sounds kind of harsh, but I just think that's so true.
0: Yeah. It's a hundred percent true. And I, I always kind of like, I've, I've been around enough in the mental mental health space to know, like when I meet someone that like acts like they're always got their stuff together yeah. or like my, like they want to put on this image of, I think you see it a lot in social media, right. Of like the guys who are the, Self-made this and that, blah, 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 blah. All these accolades next to their name. And they've like, my, follow me and sign up for my 10-step guide to how to have a perfect, happy life. Right? Like I've got no issues and I've solved it. I mean, the red flags that come up for me, I'm kind of like, okay, if yep. I followed you for a solid week, I'd probably find some, some really scandalous stuff. Um, Because it's just not, that's not life. Like it's, it's not, not real. And
1: I do think that's where... Both, both in the Catholic world and the Protestant world, I think that's where you see these leaders get into trouble. Right. Because they, they've created this isolated life where they're held on this pedestal where they never commit sin. Yep. They're, they're charming and attractive and fun and witty and blah, 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 blah. And they're cut off. And, and actually they're this image where they're these like perfect demigods. I think it creates a place where they're isolated and there's, they're at such risk of a fall.
0: Yeah, and so it's a I, lot of weight to carry.
1: Amen. Right, and we're not, we're not God. Yeah, I am a sinner, and that's in Hebrews five, is making this point: is that high priests were this way. Jesus is the only one who is sinless, and Mary, but that's that's another topic. But, but for me, when when I don't have to pretend I'm someone I'm not, and and there's a fine line there, right? It doesn't. That doesn't mean I get to just be like. Oh, you know, so I can I can just be kind of loosey-goosey and I don't have to fight sin in my life. Yes, I do. I need I need to fight to become a holy priest, but being a holy priest shouldn't be that you pretend that you're offended by a swear
0: word. Right, right.
1: That's I mean, the New Testament Paul will talk about do not let um unclean talk pass your lips. I actually don't think he means swear words there. People usually use that as a justification for don't swear. Yeah. I think he's talking about Things that we, like darker conversations, things that are overly sexual, yeah. et cetera, yeah. et cetera. I don't think it's great to swear. I don't think it's what Christianity is about. Right. And I think when, when we are in the culture, and by the way, if you're out there, you're a priest if you're baptized. Yeah. First Peter 2, 9, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people God has made, his has called into his own. That's who you are. You're called to be a priest. If you're weird. And if you, if someone says this cuss word and you kind of flip out, you're not relatable. And if pe- when people get around Christians and Christians are like, Oh my goodness, I can't believe he said the S word again, I, I'm not advocating swearing here, but people have much bigger issues in their life than that. Right. right. And, and the, they might not show it, but people think that they are unlovable That their their past and their sin in their life is so dark that they would never fit into the Pollyannish kind of uptight Christian community. Gosh,
0: I see a parallel on the previous episode of you're kind of solving the symptom. Yeah,
1: right. You're not not dealing with the deeper thing. You're
0: gonna you're gonna focus on on that one little thing, but there's a lot of deeper stuff that it's like you're you're solving the symptom, but you're not addressing the family. And it's kind of that same feel.
1: You're totally right.
0: Like it's it's a very interesting dynamic. I think it's also interesting that I think Steph always points this out, like because I mean she's been Catholic her whole life, but she always talks about how some priests and I. It's the same as in life and family and all that stuff. But like people are good at certain things, right? Right. So like when we have now, it's going to be interesting. Like you know, we had Father Mike. Um, but he was kind of Rome and this and that. Uh, but to have two other priests here, one may be f- a phenomenal homeless, one may right. be great in the confession, one may be in confessional, one may be great uh, bedside, right? Mm-hmm. Like for anointings or any of that kind of stuff, right? Uh, so I think each, I mean, you tell me, you would know this boy, but I think, do you think priests have? specific skills mm-hmm. um, absolutely you always want to sharpen all of them but as we're looking at you know you getting someone new assigned to your parish really getting to know them not writing them off just because it's like they're not personable maybe it's also you got to give them it takes time you yeah. got to give them a chance to figure out what is their niche or their calling or what what they thrive in
1: you know it's funny though i i actually don't think we're supposed to be good at everything
0: yeah i I'm grateful you said that. Yeah.
1: I really so don't. I, yeah. I, I, I a hundred percent believe that. Cause if you're good at everything, you don't need anybody.
0: That's right. Yeah.
1: And I think God, I think God created us to need each other. Yeah. You are way better at a bunch of things than I am. Patrick's really good for me. I hate phone calls. I hate being decisive. <laughs> I hate like just making a decision and following through on it. And he will literally dial people on my phone and throw me my phone. And I hate it when you do that. Oh,
0: the first time I did that, I thought I was fired. <laughs> literally, you were walking the stairs. I had your phone. Oh, I, I dialed happy. it and I waited until it was like. It was like, okay, this is either about to go to the voicemail or they're going to answer. And I handed it off to you and they answered. And you're like, what is happening? And your look was like, I was like, oh, this is it. It's been fun while I worked here. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Oh, yeah. And that was good. We need that. And so it reminds me, though, I think like with these new priests, you're right. Some might be better at some things than others. Yeah. And that's, and for certain, they will be totally. Same with me. I do think there's certain things priests need. I like, I would say preaching is not everyone's going to have the natural gift of preaching, but it is so important and it is so neglected in our church. It is so neglected and it is so important.
0: Why do you think it's so important?
1: So the church actually actually teaches that the first duty of priests is to preach the gospel. Yeah. And, and what I would say is because from my end of the looking glass, from my end of, of the telescope as a priest, when I look at my life, I've got eighteen things to do this week, and to me, they all feel equally kind of weighty. I'm like, I've got five appointments today and five tomorrow, and I need to write this talk, and I need to get ready for our CIA, yeah. and I need—I have this mass and that mass, and I have confessions and anointings and staff meetings and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But ninety-eight percent of my people see me one time a week. Totally. So even though I might start to be on with the one person across the table from me, and that matters. Ninety-eight percent of my congregation, they see me once a week, and I get one chance to speak a word of God to them, yep. and so that that's just massively important. And so I I would really I, that's a huge thing for me. But I was going to say this with the, with the question of gifts. So in Ephesians chapter four, St. Paul, and when we think of gifts, oftentimes in the New Testament, most people think of First Corinthians. So 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, Paul is talking about spiritual gifts. One of my favorite, there's a gift in the New Testament that's a gift to the Holy Spirit that is administration. And I love that. We don't usually think of that. You know, people think of gifts of the Holy Spirit and they think, oh, I have prophecy. Yeah. Or I've got a gift of tongues where I can speak in tongues. Or I have a word of knowledge where I know something that is really happening in your life and I have a word of God for you or being slain in the spirit or whatever, different things. I love the gift of administration because it's kind of boring.
0: Yeah. But it's like so pivotal
1: that guy, man, did the spirit pour out that gift on him? But here's, here's what Paul says in Ephesians four. He says his gifts were some, this is verse 11. His gifts were that some should be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. To equip, and this is the key, to equip the saints or the holy ones. So this doesn't mean like the canonized saints. It basically just means Christians. Yeah. But to equip the holy ones for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And so the, the gifts in the church are, the gifts that God gives me and the gifts God gives you are not for me or you. They're for the church. And so I love it when guys have different gifts than I have, or women have different gifts than I have. I love that it's necessary because I'm good at only a couple things. Right. And I need, and I need you in my life. I need Mary Rogers. I need Anya. I need Megan. I need Liz. I need Rosemary. These different people in my life because I am basically a train wreck, but I know a little bit about Galatians three.
0: Yeah. And you're good up on the altar. (laughs)
1: I've got that look. Yeah. You know, same reason all those women are checking me out at the gym.
0: Totally. But you need that well-rounded staff community. And again, I think it points back to the church in the beginning was Lords is a success story. No doubt about it. I mean, you look at any of the stats, it's, it's unbelievable, but it, It is, you know, you instantly want to point to you and Rosemary, but I think you made a good point. It is the community. It is every aspect of the
1: wheel. Think of the people that we have around us. That's right. I mean, John and Morgan, John and Marianne, Lori and Ed, Bill. I mean, there are so many names that I could name. Chris and Natalie are phenomenal. Totally. Uh, Brittany, my my good old friend, Brittany, Matt and Danielle. Yeah. Bernadette. Uh, Emily, Emily and her husband, Josh, Dorothy, I could go on and on. I'm right now. I'm kind of in that mode of like, Oh crap, am I going to leave someone's Who am, I, who am I leaving?
0: Totally. Yeah, totally. I don't, like, I'm like, let's just get the staff list. Let's go through the
1: names of about 400 people. That's right. No, but that's.
0: It takes a village. I mean, for sure. Did you
1: just quote Hillary Clinton?
0: Isn't that her? Maximilis Aurelius.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> So with Priso, and I, I, I do think uh, maybe one parting thought for me, Jesus, I don't know if I've said this on previous podcasts, but one of my favorite points in theology is that there's the question St. Thomas Aquinas asks is when did Jesus become a priest? And, I, and the most common answer that I think most people would have would either be the Last Supper or on the cross because he offers the sacrifice of the New Testament. But Aquinas, I love the way he says this, is he says, no, he became a priest the moment of his incarnation. Hmm. Because of a priest, what a priest does, this is the bridge point, is that a priest unites God and human beings. He brings them together. And when Jesus was incarnate within the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary, he united humanity and divinity. Yeah, And so Jesus isn't a priest because of what he does. Totally. He's a priest because of who he is. I love that. Yeah. Isn't that so cool? I love that. And it shows, and he shows us that a human being can be, and I got to say this properly, a human nature, but for us, human beings, we can be united to God perfectly because of his incarnation. And I love that. And that's, that's, and so really at the end of the day, that's the point of the priesthood, the ordained priesthood like mine, the baptized priesthood like yours the purpose of the church is for people to be united to God. Yep. And so, if you're out there, you know, probably most of you listening are not priests in the ordained sense, but you are priests in the baptized sense. The 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 purpose of your baptism, in many ways, is that you would become someone who unites people to God. Yeah. Love that.
0: So, so I guess the last question I have for you, when you're especially when you're talking about um, new priests coming in, yes. whether they're newly ordained or, or whatnot. But I think if it stands true that everybody has their skill, mm-hmm. right. Or there, and you need that village and, and whatever it is. I think I still really struggle with like, just because I'm in a certain boundary, quote unquote, divided mm-hmm. up. Like if all of a sudden someone new comes in and it's not resonate, it's not the same experience. Right. I think it sounds Again, I'll probably get beat up for this, but I think it sounds great to say, like, no, I'm I'm just here for Jesus.
1: the Eucharist. I'm yeah. here for the
0: Eucharist. Right. And that's great. <laughs> Fine. I love
1: the way you said that.
0: But I don't, I don't, I'll I don't think I'll ever be that way. I think sure, if I'm in traveling and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go to mass today and and kind of it's a one-off sure. experience, great. But you know, I've gone to masses before that I'm like, this isn't for me. And I'm willing, I'm willing to drive the extra 10, 15, 20 minutes. I mean, Steph and I drive down from Erie down here on the weekend, 35 sure. minutes. I pass thousands of churches, the Catholic churches on the way down, but I come because I am fed here.
1: Sure. I think, I think there's a couple extremes in this regard. So one extreme is what you're talking about. I think you're right. So, so the common Catholic answer is we don't go to mass for the priest. We go for the Eucharist. Right. Which is true, but totally, but, but, but that kind of thing, it perpetuates this attitude in the church of what Pope Benedict calls a, a mechanistic sacramentality, which basically means it doesn't matter. The human things don't really matter. It's just a spiritual. That's not Christianity. That's Gnosticism, which yeah. is a heresy of the third century. And it's, and it's still alive today. That is not true. Humanity matters. God became a man. And so on one level, we need to be just honest about this. We need to be honest about this. Homilies are massively important. The church documents teach this. The history of the church demonstrates this. They're massively important and we need to do them well. And we need to do music well. Yep. It's massively important. So one extreme is just where we over-spiritualize things and we say, well, as long as I have the sacramental grace, nothing else matters. Like, totally. I get what you're saying. That is the heart, is the Eucharist. That's everything. The other extreme, and what people are nervous about, and I get critiques on this, is the cult of personality. Yeah, and that's I any mean, that's a fair thing. Like, you could go to that extreme as well, where people get so attached to a personality that it's more about that personality than it is about Jesus Himself. That's right. And so we need to live that tension. We need we need to understand the humanity is good. And priests are not just robots they're they're supposed to bring their humanity in a certain way while their humanity needs to be directed towards jesus that's right, right and that was i mean i'll I'll close with this story for my part when i I had my conversion in Boulder, you know I was raised in a good family, my mom's super devout Catholic, but i got I fell in love with the faith in Boulder, yeah. And the priests up there were very difficult for me. Actually. I didn't get along with them at all, but I had developed an attachment to the parish church of St. Thomas Aquinas. Yeah. And I loved that church and it was so much. So when I went to other churches and it felt different, it was very hard for me. Yeah. And I remember coming home to to my home parish and it was just weird. And I just, honestly, I had to get past that and I had to get to a place where I did. I was there more so for Jesus but somehow we've just got to live that tension and that that kind of balance of priests, you get you guys gotta do a good job. You we have got to work on our homilies. We've got to teach people, we've got to be relatable, we have to have deep prayer lives and love God. Um and lay people, it's like we've got to do that together. Like, yeah, if you're a lay person, like it's okay to invest in a place that matters and get fed. I think that actually I'm an advocate for that. I think I think with the secular culture coming on. I think we need to be building Catholic strongholds, not just be equally spread out everywhere. I think that's an unintelligent strategy. I think it's a, it's going to cause us to fail at evangelization. If we're all equally mediocre, there is always a danger of cult of personality. Totally.
0: I think it's, it will be very interesting to see. I'm super excited uh, for the two new priests to join us all the above. And I think it is, it's going to be, I like, like anything you get a new hire, like you said, it, (laughs) <laughs> new man in the house. New man, new, new house. house. It's uh, new priest, new church. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's an honest reality that I think a lot of parishioners, a lot of any you know, any time those new assignments come out, it's like you're like I feel like I'm in like freshman year of high school. Did I make the team, did I not? Like yeah. you're waiting to like open that page and say, okay, what's happening? Yeah. Um, You got to trust God in that whole process. But I think it is a uh, it's gonna be very interesting journey as we go through this for the staff for the parish for yep. both parishes you know st louis is getting you now and and how are they going to feel and how is that going to god bless them. interact that's right that's right <laughs> so yeah super interesting
1: okay thanks everybody for tuning in gosh i, I want to right thank right our producer that. ryan that's right uh today's show uh is sponsored by Starbucks, Starbucks coffee <laughs> and uh, was, <laughs> what's your, what's your water spinthrift?
0: I Yeah. I don't know what that spin drift, spin drift,
1: spin drift, spin um, drift water.
0: Man, I hope I didn't quote Hillary Clinton. You might have, Ugh.
1: but I uh, love you guys. Uh, check out, uh, send us an email, uh, rant at lordsdenver.org. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for telling your friends about us. Uh, God bless you all. And may you be effective priests for the kingdom of God. And we're out.